Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. In 1993, a movie came out starring Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, and Chris Elliott. The title, as many of you might know, because many of you would have watched it, was called Groundhog Day. And Groundhog Day became quite a success. And in a nutshell, for those who don't know the movie, weatherman Phil Connors, played by Bill Murray, goes along to this town in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, and he has to report on Groundhog Day. He doesn't like the town. He openly talks about the fact that he doesn't like the people. He doesn't want to be there, but he has to do it every year. And he goes there, and he just wants to get the job done. He wants to get out of the place very quickly, but unfortunately for him, there's a storm, and so he's not able to leave, so he has to stay the night there. So he stays the night there, and very quickly, he starts to realize there's a pattern because he wakes up each day, and every single day he wakes up, it's the exact same day as the day before. So he wakes up to the same presenter going, it's Groundhog Day. He wakes up to the same song, I got you, you know that song? So every morning he wakes up at the exact same day, over and over again. And as I recalled that movie, I thought, you know what? There's a lot of Christians that are like Bill Murray. We wake up in the same cycle and we're in the same challenges, repeating the same problems, in the same difficulties, struggling with the same habits, wounded by the same hurts and the same pain, and we wake up day in and day out and day in and day out, and we're stuck in a cycle of the same challenges every single day. And that's not where God wants us to be. Because God has given us the power to exercise choice. And with choice, we can bring change. And so your day today doesn't have to look like yesterday. The fact that you are breathing and alive today means you can change your future. It means you can make your today look better than your yesterday. And God doesn't want us to live in the cycle of staying in the same day, the same problems, the same cycle of abuse, the same life of regret, the same disappointments, reminiscing about the same missed opportunities when God has more and wants us to go further. I don't want people saying of me in three months or or six months or a year's time, I don't want people to say of me, he's still in the same place. He's still talking about the same things. He's still stuck at the same mountain. I want people to be like, he's changed. I remember last time I saw him a few months ago, but he's changed and there's something different and he's, he's growing and taking steps forward. Our marriages, our, our companies, our future, we gotta take steps in everything that we do to go forward because that's God's will for our life. You know, there's some people in our lives and maybe don't look at the person next to you at this point or if someone is looking at you at this point, it's you. And let's not over-spiritualize this. Let's be real for a moment. There are some people in life that when you see them coming towards you, you suddenly go, because you know what's going to happen. They're going to complain about the same issue. They're going to talk about the same problem. They're going to tell you about the same missed opportunity. But you're caught in this tension because the one side of you is very Jesus and Christian and you're like, how do I love this person? I just want to be there for them. How do, you know, what would Jesus do? But your mortal side just wants to say, get over it. Move on. She left you 19 years ago. I'm tired of hearing of her, am I right? I don't want people to ever say that of me. Now, I'm not saying we get over stuff like this. There's journeys we walk. But I want people to know of me, I've walked a step forward from the last place I was at. 
I've taken a step forward of where God wants me. I don't want to be stuck in a cycle. The book of Deuteronomy, we, we find Moses and being the leader of the Israelites, he's, he's actually about to pass on. He's probably about a month away from, from dying. And he's recalling and telling everything to the Israelites that he's reminding them of what God already told them and what God has done. So that when they move forward, they can remember where God has brought them from and where he's taking them to. And so in Deuteronomy, this is what uh, Moses says. The Lord our God said to us in Horeb or, or Mount Sinai, it's in that area. You have stayed, <coughs> excuse me, long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighbors in the Arabah area, in the hill country, in the lowland, in the Negev, in the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I've set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. Notice that God says to the Israelites, you've been camping at this mountain for too long. Turn away from it and go start a new journey. And I believe that many Christians are camping at a mountain for too long. And God is saying, you've set up camp, you've built a city, you've established some systems, and now you're just living at the foot of a mountain that you were never meant to live at. And I love what God says there. He says, go to the hill country. There's something very significant about that. Because God never wants to take you from a place to take you down. God takes you from a place and takes you up. He says, go to the hill country. In other words, where you are right now is not where you're gonna end up. I've got more for you. I've got higher for you to go. I've got further for you to go. I've got greater for you. I've got bigger for you. I will never take you down. I will always take you up where you need to be. So what mountain are you stuck at at the moment? Where's maybe God saying to you in your marriage or in your broken heart? Maybe some hurts and some pain and some frustration, some missed opportunities. Which mountain are you at where God is saying, hey, hey, it's time to turn now. You're not meant to be at this mountain. You know, the Israelite journey was meant to take 11 days from Egypt to the promised land. It took 40 years. Because they camped and they were grumbling and they were complaining and they were frustrated. So God said, until you learn to stop that, you're never gonna get to the promised land. And I wanna encourage everyone today, you have a promise from God. His promise over your life is yes and amen. God wants to bless you. But until we start moving from the mountain we've camped at, God can't do anything because we still have the choice to move from the mountain. In Zechariah 4 verse 7, it reads as follows. Where are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. You see, some of you are waking up every day and you're looking at the same mountain and you're staring at it. And you're going, it's so big, how do I deal with it? But I wanna remind you that God can take your mountain and level it out in a moment. God can take your challenge and level it out in a moment. God can take that frustration, that unforgiveness, that hurt, that brokenness, and he can level it out in a moment. But you have to be willing to go, I'm done with the mountain. I'm tired of waking up to see this mountain. It's time for me to move forward. You know, there's a saying that we often say to people when they're stuck in the same place. We say, listen, you need to turn the page. It's time to turn the page. So the title of the message this morning is, it's time to turn the page. It's time to turn the page. 
Listen, some of you have been reading the same chapter and the same page for far too long. Some of you, you've, you've got your book, you've got this, this life that, you've, that you're living and you're stuck on the same page of frustration, of annoyance, of hurt, of rejection, of missed opportunity, and you keep reading the same page, but I want to remind you, the page is not going to change. But the next page can, and the next chapter can, and the rest of the story can. But you know what we do when we read the same page in our lives over and over again? We put a bookmark. And we keep going back to the same spot because that's where we left the bookmark. And so we keep reading it again. Then we put a bookmark there because we don't want, we can't forget the hurt. We can't, we, we, we might, and then we, we get back to the same place. And God's saying, it's time for you to throw away the bookmark and to turn the page. And you need to realize that there is a new story to tell. There is a new chapter to be written. And God wants to write your story. God wants to write your next chapter. But as long as you're still reading the same page, you can never get to the next chapter. And there is a next chapter. Listen, your story is not one of brokenness. Your story is not one of rejection. Your story is not one of divorce. Your story is not one of sickness. Your story is not one of loss. Your story is not one of negativity. Your story is not one of failure. Your story is not one of sin. Your story is not one of missed opportunity. There is a new story with a new chapter and a new title. It's time to turn the page. I'm gonna look at a few areas this morning where we need to turn the page. And we're going to look at four different areas. You ready? The first area that we need to turn the page on is hurt and pain. (coughs) We need to turn the page on hurt and pain. How many of you know we all suffer disappointments in life and hurt and pain? So I want to say this up front. I'm not diminishing your pain. I don't know what some of you have gone through. Some of you, if I knew what you went through, I'd probably just sit with a jaw that's dropped going, I'm so sorry you faced that because I don't pretend to know your pain. But one thing I do know is that if you don't move past the pain, you'll always sit in the hurt. And if you sit in the hurt, God can't heal you. And if God can't heal you, God can't help you. And if God can't help you, he can't take you to the top of the mountain. Because God's goal and will for your life is not for you to wake up and look at the mountain, it's for you to stand on top of the mountain and conquer the mountain. Some of you are meant to be standing on top of a mountain that you should be conquering, but you're you're too busy looking up at it when you should be looking down from it. You should be at the top of the mountain going, look where I was, but look where God took me. But we're camped in that place and we're going, I can't, it's too big. I don't know what's gonna happen. And God said, just take the step. If you just, if you just take the step, you'll soon realize you're on top of the mountain you once looked down or you once looked up to. So what hurts are you facing today? What pain are you in? See, this is the thing, and we would have all heard this phrase at some point. Hurt people, hurt people. But healed people help people. And so God wants to bring you into a place of healing because when you've been healed, you're able to help. And when you help, you're a testimony to people. You're a story of how you were once started from the bottom, now we're here. Sort of a story, am I right? You started at the bottom of the mountain, but now you're on top of it. You started looking up at the mountain, but now you look down at where you were. See, God wants to change your story around, but you have to be willing to turn the page. You have to be willing to go, you know what, it hurts, it's frustrating, but I've got to move forward for my sake, not for other people, for my sake. And the fact that you're sitting here today means God has given you a new opportunity. Because Lamentation says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. They are new every single morning. You woke up today with new strength. 
You woke up today with new grace. You woke up today with new mercy. You woke up today with new opportunity. You woke up today with a new step forward that you can take for a new page to be turned, for a new story to be written. God's story for your life is not over yet. The fact that you're in this church today means there is a story that God wants to tell. But it's up to us whether we stay on the same page or whether we choose to allow God to heal us in our lives. You know, we often, uh, we often find in life that people who stay hurt and refuse to find healing, they end up criticizing people who've already been healed. Did, did you not forget what your boss did to you? They, they like to keep people in the same place. Did you not forget what your wife said to you? Did you not forget how your friends backstabbed you? Did you not forget how your company did this? Did you not forget how people robbed you of something? Did you not forget how they broke your trust? No, no, no. I haven't forgotten. How can you forget that pain? I haven't forgotten the pain, but I'm tired of looking at the same mountain every morning. I'm tired of looking up at the same pain and the same hurts and the same story. So I haven't forgotten, but for my sake, I need to move forward. For my sake, I need to forgive. For my sake, I, I need to let him go. I need to let her go. I need to let that missed opportunity go. I need to let the stuff that I did go because God doesn't hold on to it, so neither should I. And every time I wake up and I look at this mountain and I realize how big it is, I need to be reminded that that story is past. It's time to go on a new story and a new journey with God because God wants to do something significant in your life. Psalm 40 says this, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. You know, we often say of people who talk about the same things all the time, you, you say of them, they keep singing the same tune. If you keep singing the same tune, you don't have a new song from God. And I wanna encourage you, allow God to put a new song in your life. That song is called hope. That song is called forgiveness. That song is called restoration. That song is called God wants to take you to the hills and not leave you in a valley. So what do you need to let go of today? Don't let go for other people, let go for you. For you to forgive, to find strength, to move forward and pass the mountain. The second area that we need to, oh sorry, before that, a truth in your notes. What you don't allow God to heal, you will use to hurt people. What you don't allow God to heal, you will use to hurt people. I've discovered in my life that through my journey in life that what I never let God heal, inevitably I hurt people with. Not on purpose necessarily, didn't go out to try and hurt someone, but because I had brokenness, I inflicted brokenness onto other people because I hadn't let God first heal me. And that's the thing, when we hurt and we don't let God heal us, we inevitably take that hurt and we put it on someone else. Dr. Sam Chand, who's a great friend of Rivers Church, and many of you would have been under his teaching while he was here, he uses an illustration which I'd like to steal for the purpose of this message. And he talks about how the fact that if you wanna know where someone is, where they're going as a holiday, you wanna know where they're going on a journey, you just look at their baggage. So you open the baggage and you see, oh, they got shorts, they got, they got little tank tops and they got sunscreen, they got caps, they got, well, clearly they're not going to the northern part of Canada where there's snow. They're, they're going to Mauritius or Durban, they're gonna have a relaxing time in the sun because your baggage tells me where you're going. Church, if you wanna know where you're gonna be as a person tomorrow, the baggage you carry into tomorrow will tell me where you're going. If, if, you wanna know, if you wanna know what your marriage is gonna look like in a month from now, ask yourself, what are you carrying as baggage into the marriage or into the next day or into the following day? 
If you want to know who you're going to be as a person, look at the baggage you carry. I want to say this today. If you're carrying in your baggage brokenness, hurt, pain, and unforgiveness, you won't be a pleasant person a year from now. And I don't, I don't mean that in any way to offend someone. It's because you'll be hurt. And so what you'll do is you'll end up carrying the baggage and you'll bring it into relationships. You'll bring it into church. You'll bring it into different people's worlds. And eventually people will be so overwhelmed by that they just don't wanna be around us. Because they go, your baggage, it's, it's telling me where you're gonna be in a year's time. But I wanna ask you today, if you had to look at your baggage, where will you be? If you are, and we've all got baggage. It's about which baggage we carry. I wanna encourage you today, don't unpack your baggage onto people. Unpack your baggage before God. Because people can help, people can guide, people can stir, but only God can heal. No man, no woman, no family, no one can do the healing work of God. And some of us, we need to go home and we need to look at our spiritual or emotional baggage and we need to unpack it and we say, God, heal me. I can't carry this into my marriage. I can't carry this into my work. I can't carry this into my friendships. I can't carry this into a new job because it's gonna break me and people, God. So God, I unpack my baggage before you and I trust that you begin to pack the right stuff in my heart so that I can move forward in life. The second thing we need to move past or turn the page on is bad habits. We need to turn the page on bad habits. We've all got bad habits of some sort, am I right? You see, the thing is this, habits will, habits will either make us or they'll break us, but either way they'll shape us. So the habits that you have today are either going to make you, they're going to break you, but either way they're gonna shape you. So we've gotta look at our habits and go, what are my habits? Because our habits will also tell us where we're gonna to be tomorrow, a month from now, two years from now. Our habits define who we are as a person. Now, when I say bad habits, most of us automatically start thinking, or we go, oh, he's talking about drugs, or he's talking about like smoking or over drinking, or I know, I know I need to try and stop this. No, 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 those are not only just bad habits. There are a lot of bad habits that we all have. What about constantly speaking badly about people? How many of you know that can be a bad habit that we have? What about always being in the habit of being too lazy, too comfortable, never getting up to do something, and God can never do something in us because of that? What about being in the bad habit of never getting back to people? We never get back to people. I know certain companies that, we'll leave it there. <laughs> you can be in the bad habit of every day after work accidentally passing Krispy Kremes. <laughs> and you accidentally go in every day and you slip and you pay for your Krispy Kreme. And you get that delicious custard filled or jelly filled chocolate hot Krispy Kreme. I know where you're going afterwards now. <laughs> but in all seriousness, how many of you know that can be a bad habit? Because that can cost us our health and our finances. See, what bad habits do you and I have that it's time to go, you know what, I need to turn the page. What about having the bad habit of arriving late to everything and to everyone's house? And to What about having a bad habit of always being the person that never works while everyone else is working? who palms off work to everyone else to hopefully get away with it. See, we can all have bad habits in life. I wanna encourage you today. You will not be the person you hope to be in five years time. You won't be the person you hope to be in five years time. You'll be the person that you start being today in five years time. No one is ever the person they hope to be. People are the person they intentionally live out to be. 
If I hope to be a great husband and one day a great father and a great pastor and ministry man, Christian, I, I hope to be that. If I just hope for five years, I'll be in the same place in five years' time. But if I intentionally choose to be that, in five years, I'll be that. So what habits do you need to turn the page on now? Maybe it's time to say enough of this addiction, enough of this habit. It's ruining my life. It's ruining my marriage. It's ruining my finances. You know what? I don't need that Krispy Kreme. I don't need to keep saying those things. Maybe I just need to keep my mouth quiet for a moment. Maybe I need to get into good habits to replace those bad habits. Andy Stanley, who's the senior pastor of North Point Church, he says, we don't drift in good directions. We discipline and prioritize ourselves there. If you're hoping to drift into being a good husband, you won't get there. If you're drifting to be a good wife or a good Christian, you won't get there. But if you live out disciplining that walk, you'll get there in Jesus' name. The third area we need to turn the page on, should haves, could haves, and might haves. It's time to turn the page on should haves, could haves, and might haves. I've said that phrase often, I should have done this, I could have done that, it might have been different, I should have said this, I could have helped there, I might have, and how many of you know those phrases aren't bad? In fact, those phrases are actually good. It's a sign that we're reflecting on what we've done so that we can change going forward. So it's a good thing to be able to go, I should have done this so that I can do it differently going forward. There's nothing wrong with saying and reflecting those, on those phrases. The problem is too many people park off on those phrases and they live on the mountain or the bottom of the mountain on those phrases. And five years, 10 years, 15 years goes by and people are saying, I, I, I still saying, I, I could have done that. I should have done that. I should have said that. I might have done that if I'd only done that. But how many of you know that story is written and it's done? We can't change the past, but we can change the future. We can't change the story that has already been written, but we can get God to write a new story if we yield the book in of, of, of our life in his hands. So what do you, come on, you can do a better clap than that. That's a... I think the person was like, well, no one else is doing it. <laughs> Listen, many of us lives with, I should have, I could have, I might have, but it's time that we let that go because if we keep holding on to that, God can't write the new story. And I wanna remind you of what the book of Hebrews teaches us this morning. It says, looking unto Jesus, he is the author and finisher of our faith. God wants to be the author of your story, but not only does he wanna write your story, he wants to finish your story. In other words, if you can yield your life into the palm of God's hands, he can write a new story that has a great ending to it because he is our author and he is our finisher. So I ask you today, what story do you want written about your life? And as you ask yourself that story, I ask you, well, who's writing the story? Because if you let God write it, you'll find you'll have a great ending. And the fourth thing, the area we need to move on or turn the page is toxic people. Once again, don't look to the left or the right. <laughs> it's time to turn the page on toxic people. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I wanna ask you today to look at the people around you, not in this room necessarily, but in your life. Who are the people around you who are influencing you, speaking into your life, speaking over your life, and having power and authority in your life? Because the Bible teaches us that the right people will grow us, 
But toxic people will drain us and toxic people will take from our lives. You see, toxic people are violent people. Toxic people are manipulative. Toxic people are abusive people. Toxic people are degrading. They put other people down. We need people in our lives who will celebrate us, who will help us, who will grow us, who will lift us. Can I say this now? I, I, I don't remember who, who said this quote. So forgive me, I don't remember this quote. But there was a quote that I read on Instagram that said, pay specific attention to those who don't clap when you win. That's important. Because there are some people that when you win, they're not clapping because they're still stuck at the mountain. And so they're going, well, if you, if, if I'm still at the mountain, you're not getting past the mountain. Now, I want people in my life who might be stuck at mountains but are willing to celebrate me getting up from the mountain, who are going, well done, I'm proud of you. You've served God. You've been patient. You've been faithful. God is rewarding you. I might still be stuck, but well done to you. Can I learn from you? Can I grow from you? I celebrate you. But there's some people in life who want to tell us every time we get a victory why we shouldn't have had it. Ah, you really think you should have got it? Oh, but if you knew and you ah. No, those are people we need to get rid of in our lives. I want people around me who celebrate my small victories, who can tell me, hey, well done, good on you, proud of you. Those are the people we need in our lives. So how do I turn the page? Three areas, because now we look at these areas and we go, okay, I need it. Some of you would have already got convicted by God about areas you need to go, enough is enough. The same page is done, I need to turn the page. So how do we do that? Number one, you need to make one cent decisions daily. You need to make one cent decisions daily. Now I'll explain this. If I said to you today, and some of you might have heard this illustration, but if I said to you today, in this bag, I have three million rand cash, tax-free. You can do what you want with it, it's yours. Here you go, it's good, solid, hard cash. Or on the other end, I said, you can have that. Or I have a one cent for you. But what I'll do for you and you alone over 31 days is I'll double your one cent. Each day, I'll just double it. Now put it practically, which one will you take? 95% of us will flick that one cent away and say, thank you very much. Here's my three million in cash. I'm about to buy a house. I'm paying off a car, whatever it may be. Am I right? But if you chose the three million rand, you would have made an unwise decision. Because one cent doubled over 31 days comes to 21.4 million rand. If you think I'm talking nonsense, you can go do the maths on your calculator. See, here's the thing. Most of us don't value the one cent decision in our lives. We're waiting for the 21 million rand decision that's gonna change the company. It's gonna change my marriage. It's gonna bring forgiveness like that. It's gonna rectify the whole situation. But what we don't realize that is 21 million rand is made up of millions of one cents. And today, in order to turn the page, don't look for the 21 million rand decision, look for the one cent decision. So what does that look like practically? That one cent decision is for you to go, I choose to forgive today. And I guarantee you, you'll wake up tomorrow and you won't feel any different. But tomorrow you'll say, I choose to forgive today. And you won't feel any different on the third day. But you'll wake up and go, I choose to forgive today. 
I choose to forgive today. I choose to forgive today. And there will come a day when you're standing in church and your hands are lifted and you're praising and you're smiling and your heart is full of joy where you realize that every one cent decision you made over the months and the years has brought you a 21 million rand decision where you are free from hurt, free from pain, but it all came from a one cent decision. How do you change a marriage? One cent decision. Husbands, it's taking your wife out for dinner. You say, oh, the time, we're so busy, and it's just dinner, maybe we can do something. No, that one cent decision can change your entire marriage. How many of you know going to gym is a one cent decision? Now I'm speaking a lot of people's languages here today. A one cent decision can change your health, can change your life. Just being able to go, you know what, if I just go to gym today, if I just put one sugar less, if I just eat one Krispy Kreme less, before I know it, I'm not eating Krispy Kremes at all. Before I know it, I'm in gym every, before I know it. And then suddenly you're looking inside the mirror and you're like, man, where did that 21 million rand body come from? I'll tell you where it came from. One cent decision every day. And then, and then people, look at a, people look around and they go, man, you're so gifted with genetics. Gifted? I woke up at 5 a.m. every day and I made a one cent decision. And I put away sugar and I, and I put away this and I, I put away that. But if you make the one cent decision, you can change your entire life. You're in debt today. A one cent decision can change your life. You say, oh, I'm, I'm in so much debt. I, I got hundreds of thousands of rand in debt. I don't even know how I'm gonna eat this credit card debt away. I, I'm, I'm destined to, in life to have debt and I'm, I'm never, if you can just stop buying that one pair of shoes. And if you, you, you don't need takeaways every day. You take that 170 rand that you would have spent and you, you put it away into that debt. Before you know it, there will be months or years down the line and you'll go, I am debt free. I can pay for things for cash. I don't have any contracts or anything. I am free. Why? Because you made a one cent decision all those years ago. See, every major turning point comes with a one cent decision. So what is your one cent decision today? You know, they had to get away, the Israelites had to get away from the mountain. How do you start climbing a mountain? One step at a time. Some of you are facing mountains of challenges and you're looking and you're going, I don't know how. Don't look at the top, just look at the next step. The one cent will eventually become a millionaire decision and you'll look back and you'll say, thank God that I made that decision that day. The second way we need to turn the page is we need to know our value. So know your value. So how do we turn the page? Make a one cent decision. It's the start. But secondly, you need to know your value. I believe that a, a lot of people camp at the same mountain of a problem because they don't know their value. So they sit and they go, well, I deserve this. I guess God is punishing me. Or have you seen my past? Have you seen how much I've complained? Have you seen how much I've messed up? Obviously, I deserve to be here because I don't think I deserve the blessing of God because of what I've done. So if I can just be in church, if I'm just alive today, then I guess that's okay because God is still doing something because we don't know our value. We base God's blessing in our lives on our works rather than his favor, his character, his person, and your value in life. You are a valuable child of God. And God wants to take you to the top of the mountain, not because of what you've done or haven't done, but because of who you are. What is your value today? You need to know your value. Some of you might have seen these in the store at some point. These things are called Funko Pops. And they sell in the store for around 200, 250 rand. And 
They have like 8,000 of them around the world. And I've started a whole collection of them. I like these little guys. And from movies to sports stars, so the whole collection, you can get whatever you want. And they're, they're pretty cool to have. It's, it's my inner child. And so I like collecting these. And this guy's my first one. King Leonidas from 300. He's my very first one because I love 300, Spark, the warrior. I, I love that whole, that whole vibe. And so about nine years ago, one of the guys in our team, he bought me King Leonidas. And uh, after he heard I liked 300, and I was like, man, that's awesome. Thank you so much. That's amazing. And I, uh, I popped it on my, uh, on my table at work there. And he was like my little entry guy as people came in the office. And I was just like, yeah, love 300. But I started moving offices. And so he got packed away and so forth. And then for those of you that don't know, I went to Durban for about two and a half, three years at our Durban campus. And because of all the moving and knowing I was coming back up to Joburg, he got stored at the bottom of somewhere. He's discarded somewhere. Don't tell the guy that bought it from me for, for, for me, please. He's in Centurion somewhere, so he won't hear this. Anyway, so he got, he got like put at the bottom somewhere. He got shoved away in a corner. And then I kind of forgot about him. And then I was chatting to one of my friends. I said, hey, yo, I started collecting these Funko Pops now. And uh, I bought Captain America from Avengers and I'm gonna build it up and so forth. And he's like, oh, well, that's so cool. He's got like 40 of them. And then uh, I said, oh, but I, did, I do have my very first one, but I, I don't really know where he's gone. He's lost, so I'm just gonna start all over again. Um, and I sent him a, a web picture of King Leonidas. And his WhatsApp literally came back with, what? Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. And I was like, oh, you know the guy from 300. He's like, do I know the guy? Do you know who you have? And so I was like, yeah, the Spartan, the 300. He was sitting on my table at some point, but I lost him. He said, Chase, I'm just gonna hold on for a moment. Your single King Leonidas is valued more than my 40 put together. He said, this guy is what you call vaulted. He's locked away. They don't produce anymore. This single King Leonidas guy over here is valued at 500 US dollars. And on eBay, just in case you get any ideas afterwards, <laughs> people are selling him for 15,000 Rand on eBay. I dropped my phone, I ran into my storeroom, I looked at every box, I was like, where are you, where are you, where are you? And I eventually found him at the bottom of the box. And now I literally, I'm protecting this guy because I know his value. But you know what, here's the thing, just because he was discarded, tossed away, buried, rejected, it didn't change his value. He was still valuable no matter what I did to him. I wanna remind some of you today, just because you've been rejected, just because people have discarded you, just because someone spoke over you negativity, just because someone said you're not worth it, you are valuable because you are a child of God. The Bible says that we are kings and queens of the Most High King. In fact, I wanna remind you in 1 Peter what it teaches us. It says in 1 Peter that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you might declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. I don't know what someone has done to you. I don't know what someone has said to you. I don't know where you have been, what you've done, what your past looks like. But I wanna remind you, you hold value. And God wants, you to take, God wants to take you to the top of the mountain, not because of what you've done or what you haven't done, but because you're a king, because you're a queen. And so God wants to raise you despite what has happened in your life. How do you turn the page? You've got to know your value. Don't camp at the mountain. God's got more for you.
The third and the final point this morning as we come to a close is very simply get up and move forward. Get up and move forward. Once again, I, I say that with humility in terms of that I don't know what you're going through. I, I didn't say get up and get over it. I say get up and move forward. Because we can't just get over stuff that has happened. You can't just forget hurt that has happened to you. You can't just forget missed opportunities. Like someone can't come like men in black and and you raise everything. No one can do that. But you can forgive and start to move forward on a journey. You see, for the sake of time, I'm not gonna read into the scripture here, but in, in, in the book of uh, Exodus, we find the, the story of the Israelites and they're caught in this place where the Red Sea is in front of them, but, but the Egyptians are behind them. And they start crying out to Moses, complaining, oh, why did you bring us here? We should have stayed in Egypt and this and this and this and this. And, and then Moses is like, it's gonna be okay, but he's freaking out on the inside. And he turns to God and basically says, what are you gonna do? Help us, save us. And one of my favorite responses of God in the Bible, it just speaks to me. This is God's response. Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. In other words, there comes a time where I can't comfort and hold and look after. There comes a time where I have to say to you, move forward. I will walk with you in the fire going forward, but you have to take a step forward. And for some of you, it's a word for you today because only when they moved forward did the miracle of the parting of the sea happen. Your miracle is when you start getting into motion of moving forward. God, give me a miracle now. You can't have a static, static miracle. You get a miracle when you start moving forward. If you just take a one cent step, you'll see God can make a massive move in your life. It's time for us to get up and move forward. Amen. As we come to a close today, I read an interesting story. It's a, it's a story about how many of you know that trying to move on from failed romantic relationships can be difficult. You've got stories, you've got pictures, you've got memories and so forth. And, and so it's difficult because you keep recalling this person. But there's a company that has been started that helps you with the process. And the company is called Edit My Ex. And what they do is you submit your photographs of you and your significant other that is no longer a significant other. And they edit your ex out of the photo. Let's have a look at those photos. So when you get the photo back, you're like, I remember that picnic or that time. That was cool. I can't remember who I was with, but I remember. Yeah. They help you edit the stuff out of your life. The past, the hurt, the pain, the difficulty. Some of you are like, what's the name of that website again? <laughs> Isaiah 43 verse 25. I am the one who erases all your sin. For my sake, I will not remember your sin. Jesus is the one who edits the sin out of your life. And while you keep holding the photograph and going, but look what I've done, but look what I've said, but look where I've been, but look what's happened, but look at the state of my marriage, or I got divorced, I got drunk here, I messed up there, God, look at that. God says, I've already edited at the cross. I've already wiped it clean. When I look at you, I see righteousness, I see holiness, I see a child of God. You keep showing me the same photograph, but you don't realize that that stuff is gone because I've paved the way so that you can have a life that is clean of sin. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.